Hey, everybody. Welcome to the No Shortage podcast. It is January 8th, which means it's time for our yearly podcast. Since I think we did one last year. No, sorry. We haven't. We, we, we weren't very active podcasting last year, but we are going to do better this year. So uh, I'm Nick, a pastor in Texas. And uh, as always, I'm joined by my friend Andy up in Minnesota. Andy, how are you doing today? Hey, Nick, I'm doing awesome. So excited to be doing podcasts again. This is great. I love the book we're going to be doing as well. Yes, we are doing Galatians. But before we get into Galatians, I just have to say, Andy came to visit me about two weeks ago and how lucky I was. We had a nice lunch and then he broke my Keurig machine. So thank you for that, Andy. <laughs> Did I break it? That's awesome. It. I don't know. I could not get it to work, Nick. Uh, you got. You got to get some better stuff there. Well, the funny thing uh, is you got it to work for yourself and then you tried making me something and it didn't work. But, right. but let's talk about what happened yesterday. The Detroit Lions beat your Minnesota Vikings for the second time this year. So any thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings, Andy? Yeah, Nick, something in the universe has shifted because last time we did podcasts, the Vikings were just cleaning up and your Lions were basically the same Lions that uh, have been in you know, forever. And, uh, yeah, something has changed. Your lions, they are impressive. I, I was, I enjoyed the game until finally I, I, I just had to quit. They are a good team and we are excited to be back in the playoffs for the first time in many years, but not only are my lions in the playoffs, you can't see this, but I'm showing Andy that I'm wearing the university of Michigan, uh, gear today because university of Michigan is playing tonight for the national championship. So Andy, I know you're a big 10 guy, so you're rooting for Michigan tonight, right? I, yes, I am actually rooting for Michigan. I like the head coach. The one who I, is he, is he coaching tonight Harbaugh or yeah, he's coaching today. He's not suspended okay. for today. Yeah. <laughs> I think his contract says he only has to work every other game. So, okay. Uh, yes, I am, uh, cheering for Michigan and I do hope we don't have cable. We are that cheap. So I I'm assuming it's on regular TV, but, uh, that's what I'm banking on has been called the declaration of independence of Christian Liberty. And Martin Luther used to say about it. Uh, Galatians is his Catherine von Bora because I am married to it. So we're going to start with Galatians chapter one. Uh, it is a good book. There's a lot of good stuff in here, and we have some Luther quotes to go along with it. So thank you for joining us. And sorry, we've been on such an extended break. Now we're back at this, and we're going to try our best to do this on a weekly basis. So, okay, Galatians. Uh, we're starting with verse one. Verse one, where Paul says, Paul, an apostle sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So Paul starts this letter uh, emphasizing his credentials. I love it. Sent neither by human commission nor by human authorities. Basically saying, I did not go through any kind of process to be ordained. I didn't have to go through candidacy at the ELCA. I've, God has ordained me and given me the credentials to do this. Uh, strong words so that the readers or those who hear this letter understand that Paul writes with authority. And here's what Luther had to say about that. When I was a young man, I thought Paul was making too much of his call. I did not understand his purpose. I did not then realize the importance of the ministry. We exalt our calling not to gain glory among men or money or satisfaction or favor, but because people need to be assured that the words we speak are the words of God. So, Andy, every one of us must answer the question, what will I respect as an authority in my life, and where do pastors play a part in having authority? What do you think? Well, 
I, w I was touching on this in my sermon yesterday, and and we're we're doing a sermon uh, series in one of our services on the idea is mind shift, changing your mind. It was Romans twelve two, and and really the the big question that we are looking at is addressed directly by verse one here. Who is you know giving you direction for your life? I mean, is it the world around you? Is it the expectations that you place upon yourself? I mean, the problem with New Year's resolutions, which this time of year everyone's thinking about, is it just becomes more law and more burden. And and but I mean, ultimately, you can only live for one. And and I love how it says Paul, an apostle, he establishes his intention and who he is following and who he is trying to please at the very beginning. Sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Uh, uh, just really clear on who he's taking orders from and who he's trying to please and and what his intention and vision and calling is in life. I mean, uh, that is what all of us need as well, to just sort through all the noise. So, Nick? Yeah, the, the danger with this is, uh, for those who want to emulate this claim of authority over other people's lives is then what is your message and and i think what we've seen is we've seen where pastors have have spoken these type of words to say you you should listen to me because i speak for god and then have gone away from the gospel with it and have gone into the political realm or other realms and and you know they say that they speak on behalf of god but they're not proclaiming the gospel they're proclaiming something else uh, i think it's an important distinction that we make that you know, if someone's going to say, I have been given authority by God to say these words, you should listen to me, then, you know, we really have to look at what they're saying and make sure that, uh, you know, our theological filters are up and are they, you know, are they using scripture and are they, are they proclaiming the gospel uh, that, uh, that, that Jesus proclaimed and, and are they living in accordance with their message? Uh, it's, it's, I think it's a, a, a scary thing. It, it, can, it can be frightening. We continue. Verse three. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul, in in many of his letters, says grace and peace. He starts five of his letters this way, grace and peace. Grace is always first. Peace always comes second. Paul uses the word grace 100 times in his New Testament writings. And among all other writers of the New Testament, it's only used 55 times. Martin Luther said, these two terms, grace and peace, constitute Christianity. So do you believe that? Does grace and peace constitute Christianity? And is grace the source of peace? What do you think, Andy? Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, and because the, the working definition in society of peace is, I will have peace when my circumstances change. And, and one of our understandings about life is your circumstances will always be causing unrest, dis-ease within you. So peace is peace. The peace of God is not something that comes from getting my circumstances right. Peace is is when I can live at peace despite in the midst of all of my circumstances, and and the grace of God ties into what you were saying about grace of God is uh, God loves you as you are. Now there's an old pastor uh, phrase, you know, aphorism I've heard in preaching. I don't know to what degree it's Lutheran, but you know, I just thank God, you know, I'm not where I need to be, but I thank God I'm not where I used to be. Uh, you know, so, so I think that God is doing something within us. Uh, the grace of God loves us just the way that we are, but I don't know that God wants to leave us there. Nick, any thoughts on that? Yeah, actually I touched on this yesterday in my sermon, um, that 
I've come to the realization lately, uh, the the belief lately, that peace is not the absence of conflict in life, but it is the presence of love. And so if you have love, you can have peace in the midst of difficult times. And so so grace then is the the way that God shows the world that we are loved. And so then, yes, I think grace is the the number one source of peace that any one of us will ever have. So as long as I have love, I can get through difficult times and I can do it with peace in mind. And and as long as I have the love of God, I can get through all the difficulties of life and up to and including death, I think. Uh, I can go through all types of things and I can be I can be at peace because I because I have love. And so, uh, yeah, I think uh, grace is the way that we talk about God's love, God's undeserving love. And so uh, to me, I think that is um, that is absolutely the source of peace, I think, for certainly for people of faith. You know, Nick, sometimes what is helpful is hearing, uh, you know, definitions, descriptions of these terms from two different kind of vantage points, two different viewpoints. As I'm thinking about these things, I'm I'm talking about, I'm thinking about how often I've used other words and other descriptions, but I can totally see what you're saying as well. I think that for a hearer as well, hearing, you know, different vantage points and the same ideas is super helpful. Just to comment on that, it's I'm appreciating what I'm hearing from your sermon. Yes, and Nick, I'm going to have to start listening to your sermons, I think, especially before we do a podcast. <laughs> right. uh, they're, they're available on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Facebook only. Are you not on YouTube? We used to be on YouTube, and then we started live streaming on Facebook, and so now we're on Facebook. Okay, okay. But we probably should get back to doing both. I don't Okay, uh, verse 6 in the header in my Bible is, There is no other gospel. And Paul writes, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Uh, boy, I think if there's anything that applies to our own lives, it's so easy to lose who we are in Christ and adopt a different different gospel. And Paul was amazed by this. Uh, again, gospel means good news. Paul is saying there is no good news in this new message that you're adopting. It's only bad news, so it, it really isn't a different good news. And if it doesn't sound like good news, is it the gospel? Well, no, I don't think so. I think I think we get we get away from the gospel. And you and I kind of had this conversation a couple of weeks ago. We have some people who only come to church on Christmas and Easter. And I said, and we talked about how we wish they would come more. And we would love to see people more. And I think it's important to be part of a community. But if you only come on Christmas and Easter, I think you hear you hear the purest version of the gospel, right? Because the story of Christmas is God with us, God coming to be with us, God coming, to, our Savior coming to be with us. And then when we talk about Easter, we talk about our Savior who died for us and rose again for us. And then the other 50 weeks a year, so we kind of complicate things. We kind of complicate things because we need to preach 52 sermons a year. And sometimes, you know, it's just, we, we just need to get back to proclaiming the good news that, that, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that those who believe in him will have eternal life. And uh, and sometimes we do complicate things, and we try to uh, to be as relevant as possible. Or, but oftentimes we end up on the law, back on the law side of things, telling people what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing, uh, instead of proclaiming that God is love and that God loves you. And uh, does God want us to do better? Sure, absolutely, God wants us to do better. But but our um, God's love for us is not based on our ability to be obedient to a standard, uh, but it's based on. God saying, I'm going to love you no matter what. And uh, and then that love transforms us and helps us to, uh, uh, as we follow Jesus, uh, helps us to to be the people God created us to be. What do you think, Andy? 
Yeah, you know, the the idea of love transforming us, I think, is also very true just in, in human relationships, human interactions. I've been reading Hidden Wholeness by Parker Palmer, and it makes the same concept that this law that comes from other people, you know, ultimately doesn't transform us. It's, you know, when people are telling us what you need to be, what you need to do, how when when we're in a community and that we know that we're loved and we know that... uh you know, we have the grace of God, that we're loved by God, and as we are, I mean, it's at that point that it opens up in our mind who it is that we could uh, become. Uh, Parker Palmer, in in this book, uh, talks about how often that doesn't happen on the schedule that we want or the schedule that other people want, but it, it happens in what he calls a circle of trust, which is a circle of trust for people that love us, you know, despite who we may be, they they love us no matter what, and and it's a circle of trust where we come together, and and just love one another instead of trying to fix one another. And I think that uh, grace operates in much the same way. Nick, isn't that from uh, Meet the Parents? With the, I know you watch a lot of movies with Ben Stiller <laughs> and Robert De Niro. It's the circle of trust. Okay, it it could well be. I I have no idea. I'm trying to think of the last movie I saw. I'm a, not a movie person. I mostly Bible study and prayer meetings, but I don't get to the movies. You know. I, uh, have you seen Have you seen a movie this millennium? The, okay, this millennium. Um, I might have gone to one of the kids' movies with them. You know, I'm not remembering. I don't. I don't think so, Nick. I I had to have gone to one of the kids' movies. You are truly uh, an oppressive, pietistic person. <laughs> That that is terrible. Uh, yeah, I haven't been dancing either. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. So, why do you think this other gospel that they're turning to uh, is a perversion or distortion of the true gospel of Jesus? And 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 that you see this a lot, where someone's going to come up with another gospel or, or another message. And they're, they're not going to come up with something totally new, but they're going to use familiar uh, familiar names, familiar ideas, and they're going to change it just a little bit. And and because it's changed just a little bit, it's more deceptive that way. Why would someone want to pervert the gospel of Jesus? Why do you think, Andy? Well, it would be to use it for another means. And uh, often, uh, I mean, we see this in society, you know, I, I'm not even talking left or right. I think just in general, if if it, you know, aids a particular agenda that we have, we'll use the gospel for that agenda. Sometimes I I wonder how pure our theology is sometimes is apart from politics in that you know, people with very direct, particular political opinions will always bring in, at least within the church, how the gospel clearly supports their particular opinion. And at least once a year, somebody will say to me, I don't know if you how a person could call themselves a Christian and be a member of party, you know, A or B, either of the major parties. And I think often, I don't even think you can really mix the two. Uh, and and often when people from vastly different points of view will tell me that, what I think they're really doing is associating the gospel with a particular legal point of view, the law, as opposed to associating the gospel with the gospel. You know, if we attach something else to the gospel, it's is that, Nick, kind of what you're getting at and what Paul was getting at by a perverted form of the gospel? When I think of this, I think of the prosperity gospel, right? That that God loves you, God died for you, now God wants you to be rich. 
Um, and, and to me, that's just like, it's what you're adding one line to it that I just, I can't go along. Uh, you know, I, I don't have this feeling that, that God wants me to be super wealthy. I just, uh, maybe God does, maybe I'm not faithful enough. And if I was more faithful, then I would have my own jet. I don't know, but all right, moving on verses 11 and 12. Paul writes, for I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin, for I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So uh, in contrast to the different gospel brought by others, Paul's message was a revelation from God. And I think this is important because Paul like the other apostles, Paul was not around Jesus when he was alive. He didn't hear what Jesus had to say. He didn't follow Jesus. He didn't see Jesus healing people. And yet he's still the, the if, if you read the four gospels, right? A lot of what Jesus has to say in those gospels is not gospel, but it's law. Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount is is law, right? It's, um, Matthew four through six, that's that's law. Jesus, Jesus is proclaiming that you have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you, if you even look at somebody with lust in your heart, you have committed adultery. That's law. That's not gospel. And so a lot of the gospel that we have, a lot of the way that we understand who God is and what Jesus has done for us is written in Romans and Ephesians. And so it comes from Paul. And so Paul is saying that this gospel that I'm proclaiming to you, uh, I had a revelation from God. Uh, it is not a man-made thing. Um, so so this gospel that we proclaim, Andy, this as Lutheran pastors, we have been called to proclaim the gospel, right? And so this gospel that we proclaim, do we believe that it is really from God and not from human origin? What do you think? Well, yeah, and if it is gospel, I think it can only come from God and not from human origin. And the, the classic text on this is C.F.W. Walther's uh, Law and Gospel. And the whole point of that book, it's an old, you know, 100-year-plus book, but the whole point of that book, it's like a classic in Lutheran theology, is to show us how we cannot, by our own understanding or effort, using Luther's words, you know, fulfill the law. You know, we are dependent on the gospel, and the point of the law is to show us our need uh, for God, our need for the gospel, and the, the gospel can never come from our own attempt to uh, fulfill the law. So, in other words, we are not loved because, you know, Nick, I'm a little better at uh, you know, the whole pious thing than you are. I'm kidding. But, you know, just in general, I'm I'm loved because of God's grace, God's love, receiving that into my own life. And that's through faith, faith alone. And that's just the beauty of it. So, um, and as far as scripture, uh, yeah, I believe scripture is divinely ordained. Uh, do I Do I believe that every uh, line of scripture is equal to every other line, as some theologies teach. I don't. Luther talked about the canon within the canon, and what that ta- what that means is there are some books that are more important than others. And the one that we're studying right now, by the way, as Nick pointed out earlier, was Luther thought this was just you know just crucial uh, crucial to understanding who God is and how we relate to God. And there are other books that Luther said are considerably less important. The Book of James, for instance, Luther said was the he referred to it, I think, as the epistle of straw. Back to Walther, uh, you know, law shows us our need for the gospel. And our response to the gospel is is to love as God has loved and to be generous as God has, you know, generous to been generous to us. And um, 
often that gets a little bit misinterpreted as in, okay, now that I have the gospel, I need to do these things. And then, you know, that becomes a law again. And um, ultimately, the law always turns in upon itself. In Lutheran theology, there are basically three understandings of the law. There's the first use of the law, which is civic. There's second use of the law, which is uh, justification, uh, pointing us to our need for grace. Third use is sanctification. And that's often where we get in trouble, you know, meaning I can, by following the law, I can make myself more pure in some sense. Uh, Nick, any thoughts on these? My answer to this is if if the gospel were of human origin, there's no way it would be written like it is, plain and simple. No human being would come up with this. No human being would say that you are loved, that that you are loved and you don't have to do anything, right? If, if, if the gospel was, was of human origin, it would start with grace and it would start with love and then it would there would ha- there would be some benefit to Jesus later on no human being would ever come up with this the no human being the, it, it is so against our nature to say you are given the gift of eternal life you are given all of these gifts through the grace of god and there's nothing that you need to do there's nothing that i can do to believe there's no this has all been given a free gift by by god through the holy spirit and so uh it has to be of god because no human being would be as selfless enough to come up with something like this. All right, verse 15 of Galatians 1. But when the one who had set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles, I did not confer with any human. That is 15 and 16. Nick. We all know about Paul's credentials before he became a uh, a Christian. He was a, a zealous Jew. He was a persecutor of the church. Um, and what Luther, I think, summarize it, Luther tries to summarize what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, it is certain God did not call me on account of my blasphemies, persecutions, and oppressions, right? God did not see all the terrible things I was doing and said, because you're doing all those terrible things, you know, I'm calling you, no, that it was what prompted God to call him or Luther, back to Luther, what prompted God to call me his grace alone. Uh, And so God wants to do more than just reveal Jesus to us. God wants to do more than just reveal grace to us. God wants to reveal grace through us. And so part of one of the things that we're called to do and who we're called to be is to go out like Paul and and be those who who God's grace is revealed through. So, So it's revealed to us, and then God wants to reveal it through us. So Andy, how does that happen? How do we share that grace uh, with the world? Nick, something I just want to touch on something you said there that I think is crucial. It's not just grace for me, but it's grace through me. And, you know, the, the whole notion often in nominal Christianity is I have faith, I believe, I you know, God and I have an agreement, I've done what I need to do, and I'm going to keep living my own life. And it's like the whole notion of grace through me is completely lost. I mean, one of the primary witnesses to the grace of God happens in worship as we gather together weekly as God's people to literally participate in the proclamation of God's gospel to the world. And God wants to work through me. So, I mean, all of my ministry, there's been this long debate about individualized Christianity. You know, I got saved, I'm good, versus, you know, the corporate you know, understanding of Christianity, which is I'm part of something much bigger than myself. And simply through my presence, I'm helping to 
proclaim the larger grace of God. I, I hope that gets into your question a little bit. Thoughts? Yeah, no, I think that's it. I think part of the easiest way to uh, for grace to flow through us is to be part of the community and to to you know have the witness to say that you know I, I I'm I'm going to church on Sunday. To me, I think it's important that people see that the faithful community of followers of Jesus, but also then to go out and to live that grace, uh, to to forgive as we've been forgiven, to help as we've been helped, uh, to listen, to be good listeners, and to care about one another. Uh, I think it's an important part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and part of the community of God uh, in the world. So yeah, absolutely. Amen. Amen and amen. Any last uh, things that you want to uh, jump in on, Andy? Um, I mean, we could go a million directions, but um, I'm excited we're doing Galatians because I think that, you know, I was, I remember at seminary, James Nestigan, which was a classic Lutheran theologian, uh, said that proclaiming the gospel is like riding in water with a stick. I mean, you can see it, but then the ripples flow away and you need to, you need to hear it again. Uh, uh, you know, constantly be hearing, receiving the grace of God. And I think that was partly his response to the idea that grace is just this one-time only thing. It's almost like every day in our own lives, we need to be hearing, reminding ourselves, being reacquainted, uh, experiencing again uh, God's grace. And I think Luther knew that. I think it's kind of hard for us, especially in the contemporary understandings of religion, you know, getting right with God is a one-time kind of deal. You know, it's it's almost like uh, Luther talked about faith as the daily aspect of it. The translation word that's not helpful is daily regeneration, but I think an understanding of that is God doing something within us uh, uh, regularly, daily, uh, uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit. So, Nick? Yeah. I was just going to say a sign of grace. It is just beautiful outside. It is snowing here, and uh, uh, just huge white snowflakes, uh, you know, are falling from the sky. I think, you know, creation, uh, mag, you know, declares the majesty of God. Uh, uh, it's just beautiful out there. I'm glad I'm not driving in it. I'm, it might not be grace if I was driving in it right now, but go well, ahead. We don't know what snow is down in Texas, so send <laughs> yeah, us a picture. Right, we'll do. It's awesome. Well, Andy, it's been a year, and uh, I don't know, I, I feel a little rusty, but uh, I feel like we, we proclaimed the gospel. We talked about the gospel today. Absolutely. Yeah, we did. Nick, super fun to uh, be with you again, super fun to be doing the podcast, and to anyone listening, we uh, appreciate you listening, and we hope it's helpful for you, and we hope it spurs something in your own mind and in your own life. Yes, and we will be back soon, and I think soon, Andy and I, we may be changing the name of the <laughs> podcast because I think the name of our podcast, No Shortage of Questions, was just kind of a something that we came up with many years ago that we thought, well, you know, you read the Bible and there's no shortage of questions when you read. Uh, what we found is that uh, maybe there's something a little catchier. So we may be coming out with something soon and uh, uh, there'll be more news coming from us soon. But uh, we hope to uh, see you next week with another uh, podcast where we look at Galatians chapter two. So everyone take care of yourself and thanks so much for listening.